It is Midday Magazine for Monday, October 2nd. I'm Hannah Floor. The Petersburg area saw a record-breaking amount of rain in late September. Now mariners and pilots passing through a remote area are seeing the consequences. KFSK's Shelby Herbert has more on a landslide in the Cont Bay that spilled timber into an area with high boat traffic. If a tree falls in the forest and nobody's around to hear it, does it make a sound? Maybe that question is best left to the philosophers. But if hundreds of trees tumble off a mountainside, straight into the ocean, who would find out about it first? In remote southeast Alaska, mariners and pilots, they were the first to notice the aftermath of a huge landslide on the mainland near Leconte Bay in the last week of September. Personnel at the nearest ranger district in Petersburg were unaware that it happened at all. The Tongass National Forest spans 16.7 million acres, the largest national forest in the United States. It's a lot to keep track of. Doug Reamer is the owner of Nordic Air, a Petersburg-based charter flight business. He was piloting a tour around Leconte Bay when he noticed the telltale signs of a slide. Mostly just timber everywhere, and this slide was pretty dramatic because it didn't just land in one spot. It, it just brought a whole bunch of trees down and it just ripped all the branches off of them and then pulled the bark off of them and everything like that and it just littered trees all over. And that debris can be a dangerous problem. Floating wood can damage or even sink small vessels and marine infrastructure. Glorianne Wolin is Petersburg's harbor master. She says she and her team have been getting reports about the slide from northbound vessels all week. And now they're trying to fish out as much flotsam as they can before it can clog up the Wrangell Narrows in front of town. It was mostly big, big root wads. And we knew something had let loose because there was rocks and sand and dirt and stuff that was still attached. But uh, we end up seeing it and uh, reacting as it occurs. Landslides are alarming when they happen, even in the most remote areas. Climate change and the resulting wetter weather are making them more common in southeast Alaska. Brian Besnick is a meteorologist with the National Weather Service in Juneau. He says south-central southeast has seen record-breaking rains in the last few weeks. And it's probably no coincidence that the slide happened when it did. There was an atmospheric river that was pushing through the south-central panhandle during that time frame. And it has turned out that it was a very rainy end of the week across the area. Petersburg reported 4.47 inches on the 21st, which, uh, looking at the records, would be the rainiest day uh, on record for that day. So over those two days, we've received 7.02 inches. Now, to put that number in perspective, the normal monthly precipitation in the Petersburg area is 14.35 inches of rain. It got half of that in a single weekend. Besnick says those heavy rains will probably bear down for weeks to come. But there's no telling how long it'll take for all the debris to get flushed away. In Petersburg, I'm Shelby Herbert. And Harbor Master Gloria and Wallen asked passing mariners to stay vigilant and report floating timber so that staff can safely remove it. If you spot debris, the number to call is 907-772-4688. And to view photos of the landslide, you can visit kfsk.org. Alaska's population is shrinking... So why does the housing market feel tighter than ever? At Southeast Conference, a panel of housing specialists highlighted key problems in the Alaska housing market and specific strategies to fix those issues. Meredith Reddick reports from Sitka. 
A housing shortage in Alaska is not really news or new. Nolan Clauda leads the University of Alaska's Center for Economic Development. I don't think housing's ever been like a particularly great spot in our economy for, for a lot of reasons. You know, we've always, we've always had high costs and problems with availability. Clauda said that although Alaska's population in most communities has declined slightly, housing demand has gone up about 9% since 2016. That's because families are having fewer children, so average household size has decreased. When adults live together, you know, they, they, there's usually one or two of them in a the household, right? And so, and so we have uh, basically more households, even though we have fewer people, fewer people per household. Clauda said that efforts to build more housing can be stalled by a variety of factors. Sometimes it's topography, sometimes it's land ownership that, that doesn't allow for it. Um, anything that can be done to make land available though is important, including the building of, of access or site infrastructure, which sometimes local governments have, have the ability to, to Cloud has zeroed in on growing short-term rental markets as another area of concern. Even if it's not a big percent of your overall units at any point in time, it keeps growing. It keeps growing. And so it puts your community on sort of a collision course, you know, with, with housing availability and affordability. Jackie Pata is the president and CEO of Clinkett and Haida Regional Housing Authority, which provides housing assistance and financial support to communities across Southeast. Pata said that in addition to questions of infrastructure and regulation, she's been focused on financial education for homebuyers and training for local build crews. That approach has seen some success. She pointed to several small communities in Southeast, including Yakutat and Ingoon, that are constructing new housing at a per capita rate above the statewide average. And my apprenticeship programs, like we have in Ingoon, that can now build houses year over year with their own local crew, creating their own jobs. Um, because we definitely have a need, we leverage our dollars, we built our crew, and we continue to utilize them. And we realized that we were not going to have build and bust communities anymore. Randy Huey, the executive director of Sitka's Community Land Trust, shared another model for providing what he called permanently affordable housing. Under Sitka's model, eligible low- to moderate-income buyers purchase a small home on land owned by the trust. When they sell the home, their profits are capped to keep the home affordable for the next buyer. Like all other models of affordability, it turns renters into owners. And isn't that what we really want to do in our communities, is provide a way for young families to own a home and stay there and raise their kids and be a part of our communities? We want to turn renters into owners. Huey said land trusts are one small piece of the Alaska housing puzzle. Pata echoed a similar sentiment, saying that a multifaceted approach is necessary to work towards solving Alaska's housing crunch. We love where we are. We're part of the fabric and we're going to be here. Pata added that towns across the region were looking for every opportunity to make homes affordable, to help slow out migration and allow residents to, quote, stay in our villages and our communities. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Meredith Reddick. Last Thursday was the final day of Southeast Conference, and you can find resources on their website at seconference.org. The U.S. Forest Service in Wrangell is anticipating big construction seasons in the coming years, thanks to an influx of federal funding to the region. Sage Smiley reports. There are almost two dozen recreational cabins sprinkled across Wrangell Island and its surrounding area. They're managed by the local branch of the Forest Service. Where the cabins are distributed across both forests on the region is part of a much larger planning effort that is not 
necessarily in the district's control. Wrangell District Ranger Clint Kolarich says he's hoping his team can help pave the way for more cabins in the coming years, thanks to an influx of federal money to be spent on cabins. I think everyone's pretty aware that we at the district level, with the Wrangell Ranger District in conjunction with the Petersburg Ranger District, kind of saw the handwriting on the wall and we started a cabins environmental assessment. The environmental assessment, or EA, is just for clearing potential locations for future cabins if funding becomes available. Coleridge says the process, which happens under the National Environmental Policy Act, or NEPA, is almost done. I just want to get it done. <laughs> we want to be able to say that we're ready. So when, when the funding comes, I love seeing this district along with Petersburg, be positioned to react quickly when that stuff happens. So not not every district, even though I love all my other rangers, but not every district is as prepared. And I think we've done a really good job so that we can position ourselves to be ready as soon as stuff's ready for us. Coleridge says because of that preparation, the Wrangell Ranger District anticipates it could secure funding for two cabins in the next two years. One would replace a cabin at Annan Bay, a popular bear and wildlife viewing site just south of Wrangell Island. It was crushed by a tree over the winter. But the other site would be a new cabin on Wrangell's road system. We call it right now Little Lakes. We hope to give it a clinkant name. Tori Hauser is a recreation planner with the Forest Service in Wrangell. Up above the actual long lake where the trailhead is, there's another little set of lakes. And it's at the north end of those little lakes. Coleridge says the proposed new cabin site is near an existing site about 20 miles south of town on the island's logging road system. The cabin won't really be visible at all from the road and it'll be right on the water. It's it's an amazing little site and that location came from our public comment period. It wasn't something we sat down and drew up in the office. So I'm, I'm excited about that. It's a really neat spot and it's super easy, accessible and so that that's that's the plan. Hauser and District Ranger Coleridge say they hope the cabin could be constructed the summer after next, depending on funding. It will depend on how funding is distributed at the regional level, which is why the team is doing everything it can to have projects basically shovel-ready. Beyond cabins, Hauser says the Forest Service is working toward building the second phase of a new viewing deck at Annan, a lower deck that will allow closer access to watch and photograph bears at Annan Creek as they fish for salmon. The first phase of the deck wrapped up in 2022. Fingers crossed that we will have new lower deck and access by June 15th of next year. And a new cabin. If so, it might make Annan Wildlife Observatory the newest site on the Tongass, with a near-new upper viewing deck, new lower viewing deck, and newly rebuilt recreational cabin. Along with trail projects and repairs to a highly used dock on Zarembo Island slated for next spring, coming construction seasons could be quite busy. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley. An Alaska-based internet provider, Optimera, is offering faster internet speeds to local customers. That's because the company worked with Starlink to create a community gateway, which is basically a scaled-up version of the individual satellite receivers Starlink users have at home. The Unalaska Community Gateway is Starlink's first. Starlink is a subsidiary of SpaceX, which is owned by billionaire Elon Musk. Optimera owner Emmett Fitch says his company worked with Starlink to use existing on-island infrastructure for the connection. Starlink also set up four new antennas, but the overall distribution of Internet services in town hasn't changed. 
so the community gateway is um, is on our site, and we worked with Starlink to get it installed. Our crew in Unalaska did the installation, and Starlink Techs came out and tuned it in. The gateway offers a 10 gigabyte per second connection. Around 80% of Optimera customers are already hooked up to the new speeds. When you're dealing with gigabits per second, that's a, that's a tremendous amount of capacity. You know, to put that into perspective, that would be enough for every resident in the community to be streaming in HD video bidirectionally at the same time. Internet options in Unalaska have evolved rapidly in recent years. Optimera was the sole major provider on the island just a few years ago. But that changed with the recent influx of options, including fiber, f- fiber optic. Fitch says he expects the Starlink community gateway to, bolst- to bolster competition. And redundancy means that during surprise outages, Unalaskans can still access the Internet. As we saw with the Quintillion fiber break, that caused a lot of heartache and hardship for people in, um, in the regions that were affected by that. In June, a fiber optic cable torn by a ship's anchor impacted Internet service in western Alaska for over two months. For KFSK, I'm Hannah Floor.